Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. So Caleb is one of our assistant pastor over here. He runs a great small group, and he is going to come bless us. Before he does that, though, I just want to say two more things. Next week is Palm Sunday. We're going to have a special day for you guys. So Palm Sunday and the week after that is Easter. On Palm Sunday, we have a hangout. So we would um, encourage you on Palm Sunday, bring somebody. I'm going to charge you guys as a, uh, as a hangout, but to look around to char- not charge. It's free. Not charge for the hangout but encourage you guys to find someone that you can invite along, somebody that God put into your heart and in your life um, for Palm Sunday and for Easter. We would love that. And Caleb is going to start talking about the life of Christ, the beginning of the life of Christ's ministry, and I'm going to be talking about that. For the, um, the hangout, I'll be collecting the $5 fee at the end. <laughs> guys, I'm, I'm bad about it. I was like, I'm trying to get somber, trying to talk about the somber text, and I'm it was just too good. I just had to do it. I just couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I have to forgive me. Um, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray real fast, and then we'll, we'll get started. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, I, I'm a really, 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 <clears throat> really, 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 really big believer in really, really. Um, reading the text for yourself. I really am. Um, I... I, I don't understand it, but I think there is something profound and often supernatural in looking at that word of God for yourself. I think we ought to give ourselves to that. So let me pray. Um, Lord, I am fundamentally and firmly convinced that unless you speak to people's hearts and souls, nothing I say can or will matter at all. So I pray, Lord, that through your word to your people, you would speak to their hearts, um, that they would see you, um, that they would grow closer to you, that they would have a transformative experience, and that they would be emboldened and impassioned to be like Christ, as a part of the work of your great commission, you who has all authority and sent us to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that you taught. So we pray that this would be a part of that work this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, I'll, I'll often do this. I often get taken off track just by things that pop in my head in the moment. And today's probably no different. So um, we are tempted in this modern era. Um, as a matter of fact, I wanted to write a book in regards to what I'm about to say briefly. But I think we are tempted in this modern era to look at the scriptures and buy into our cultural's our culture's understanding that. The scriptures are just writings or a book that was produced by man and is therefore no different than anything else you might read or study. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine a while back where um, he, was, he was asking, he's a Christian, and he was asking me, well, how do you, 
how do you convince people that the scriptures are the word of God? And I told him, you have to start first by believing that yourself. Right? I'm like, has God spoken? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, me and you believe that, but they don't believe that. I'm like, has God spoken? Because if God has spoken, if, if that book in your lap, if that book we have is the word of God, and if you're made in the image of God, and if the spirit of God can open people's eyes to see and ears to hear, then that book in your lap is not the words of men that don't have power. That book in your lap is the instrument of God that through the Spirit of God, he opens your eyes to see what he has said. Why is that different than what the Mormons think about their book? Why is that different than what the Muslims think about the Quran. And if you find what I'm about to say funny, I would ask you to think it through. The answer to that question is, God didn't write those other books. Room full of Christians, okay. Most people go, well, that's what you say. I'm like... And Jesus, chapter 4 of the book of Luke... Full of the in the wilderness. For 40 days being tempted by the devil. It's like, what? We, are we reading that, right? He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. To be, was being tempted by the devil. Sometimes we think if I'm being tempted by the devil, if I'm going through a hard time in my life, if I am without food or shelter in a wilderness, it's because God is not in that. And here in this text, we see led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. Um, I'd be remiss not to point out that in this text, we see Jesus succeed where Israel failed. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years, being tempted by the devil and subsequently failing. This is the first temptation given to Jesus is, you're starving, you've been in the wilderness 40 days, why don't you turn these rocks into bread in the same way that the Israelites in the wilderness grumbled to God and said, did you bring us out here to die? And the manna rained down from the heavens. Jesus goes, no, 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 my, my faith is in God. You see that. He succeeds where Israel fails. And all throughout the Bible, we've been talking about this in our Gospels, as we're going through the Gospels, all throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus fulfills, succeeds, where Moses failed, where Joshua failed, where the Israelites fail, where we as collective humanity fail. And he succeeds under the law. That we might only through Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. For God, Jesus forensic justification. There's a debt we have before God. Jesus paid that debt. He succeeds where we fail. And on our behalf. For forty days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. 
Everybody said amen. Man, okay. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. He says this later, you know, in, in other parts of the gospel, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, Jesus says. The word of God is our spiritual food. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan figured out that Jesus had read his Bible, that he could use text to push back on what the devil was saying to him, and so the devil decided to play a more advanced game. I'll quote scripture too. It is written. And Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to side point the test. Okay, brief side point. Jesus had memorized scripture. Amen. He believed scripture. Amen. It's the word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Some people will tell me, like, I just read those red letters. Red letters, man. That's what Jesus said. Go look at what Jesus said. Because Jesus thinks the Old Testament is the word of God. Right? The thing we live by. Not by bread, but that. And Jesus knows his hermeneutics. Say what? Hermeneutics, how we approach and interpret Scripture properly. Bible says God can't lie. Bible says God knows all. Right? Can't lie, knows all. Inconsistency, insofar as I know it's inconsistency, is a lie, right? Right? Can't lie, knows all. That means God knows if he's being inconsistent. And he doesn't lie, can't lie, so he's never going to be inconsistent. So if this book is the word of God, this book is never inconsistent with itself. Never. Not properly understood. It's never inconsistent with himself, with itself. So, when Satan comes and he quotes the scripture, Jesus goes, you're using that scripture illegitimately. That's called eisegesis. When you take a text of Scripture and read into it what you want to see, rather than out of it, that's called exegesis, what's intended by the author. And Jesus says to Satan, you're eisegeting that text. You're using that text as an impetus to call me to challenge God, to put God on the spot. That's inconsistent with Scripture. Right? 
So we've got to be careful about... Well, I think this, where's a verse that might support that? Is that what Jesus does or is that what... And y'all say, Al, Satan. I love that man, by the way. Just as... Oh, all right. Um, and the devil had ended every temptation. He departed from him until an opportune moment. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I think I, I read something like that somewhere. And I think I also read something about the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. It's a weapon, right? Jesus is showing that. So a couple of things I want to highlight from this text before I move on. I know my sleeve is driving people in the audience crazy. I apologize. <laughs> Some of you are like, anyway. Suffering and testing can be a blessing. Come on, that was, that was good, right? See, here the, the rhyme, the thing, the suffering and testing can be a blessing. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He went through a time of suffering, a time of, call it hardship, not to mention the fact that the rest of his ministry would be, but in that time, he was blessed with that experience. If that makes sense. He was able to overcome the devil through the proclamation of the word. And this preceded his coming work of ministry. So if you guys are going to be used by God, I've experienced this in my own life. Probably a lot of you can testify to what I'm about to say. If you are going to be used by God, the likelihood that you will go through a time of testing is very high. It's very high. I went through years, my parents will tell you, of depression and dryness and feeling like God was very far away. And I would read scripture for hours and spend time in prayer and like, where are you? What am I supposed to do? How do I, right? It is highly likely, Martin Luther, go read the story of Martin Luther. Years. And sometimes, oftentimes, suffering and feeling like God is far away can be a blessing insofar as it drives you to seek Him, not the feelings or blessings he gives you. You see that? Honeymoons are great. That, that time where everything's easy and warm and fun, it's, that's great. But you love your wife or you love your husband when things are hard and you're not getting some quick, simple creature comforts out of it. Right? That's the depth of love. That's what God wants for you. And so I thought, if I'm not feeling like God is really close, really in my life, if everything's not going well, then something has gone wrong in our relationship. And what I think God showed me was, um, do you really love me or do you love that stuff? See? And so you will, in all likelihood, go through a time of testing. Jesus, yeah. Jesus had spent considerable, considerable time learning that God breathed word. Clearly. Clearly. He understood what the word was. He understood how to use it. He spent considerable time on that. I have not been good at scriptural memorization. We should do scriptural memorization. 
14, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. That word report is the Greek word feme, which is actually where the English word fame is derived from. So what the, I'm not saying that this is exactly what the text, exceedingly well known, right? And he taught in their synagogues. Here's this interesting word, being glorified by all. We're like, this guy's the bomb. This guy knows the scriptures. This guy can teach. This guy's awesome. They, 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 they know him. And he came to Nazareth. Like, if you know the text, and it's kind of like, and then, came to Nazareth, to his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, the covering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. We're going to see that immediately after he leaves Nazareth. Go read this. Right after that, he's casting out demons and healing people. Right after that. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. <sighs> y'all, know what I'm, y'all, y'all know what I'm doing? Y'all know what I'm getting at? Oh my gosh. That'd be like me getting up and reading the passage where, where Jesus talks about coming the way he left and reading it and being like, that's what he did. You'd be like, uh-uh. Drops, man. I love the way mic drops. And just, I, just, I love the way Jesus mic drops, man. I love the way mic drops. Um, And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And he said to them, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. We have heard you did in Capernaum, do in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up, Three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they had heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. From glory to wrath. Who is this guy? Wow, this teacher. Wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to throw him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Passing through their midst, he went away. They took offense at him. Um, they thought they knew something about where he'd come from, who he was, who he was the son of, and they judged him and failed to hear the message. And then he left, he leaves the town and he begins to perform these miracles. And something, something of the takeaway that I think needs to be seen here is 
The reason they get mad at him is he, he hearkens the Old Testament where the prophets, there was, a, there was a curse by God because the people of God had rejected the teaching of God. They rejected the prophets. And so the prophets only healed two Gentiles. And Jesus looks at this crowd in Nazareth and says, that's you. That's you. You are so close to the light and you're missing it. You're missing it. Isn't that right, church? America. People blessed by God. 800 translations of the Bible. Full access to thousands of theological works that people would have died to get a page of. Don't let access go read the history of Withcliffe. Go read the history of Bible translators burned alive on pyres so you could get the Word of God in your hand so that most of us could not read it. Me too. Netflix is entertaining. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We have so much light. And I'm out of time, but I will tell you, the Bible talks very clearly about us being responsible and accountable for the light we have. And that terrifies me some days. It really does. Because we have more lights just about than anybody in human history, I suspect. And if we find ourselves angered at truth, we should always take a second to really carefully, prayerfully think through why. Maybe we're angered because something wrong was said, but maybe we're angered because our idol's been exposed. Lest we try to drag truth to a mountainside and cast it down. Lord, I, um, we love you. We pray for you to work in our hearts and our minds and our souls. Draw things of this to yourself. Make us hungry for your word, not, not hungry for the things of this world that are so easily fleeting, that are so uncertain that might be taken away in a moment. Let us hunger and thirst for your word that works in our spirits to give us life. Let us be as able to correct and reproof and exhort and raise us, prepare us for every good work. And let us love you and walk as you walked. Let us speak the truth in love. Let us hear the truth with love. And be a blessing to your name, we pray. All these things. Amen.